1 Corinthians, starting in chapter 5. You remember Paul is uh, admonishing the believers in Corinth about, about their way of life, that they have been called into the body of Christ and to realize the enormity of this calling and the reality that is open to them, but they are not living up to that they are instead living according to the ways of the world. And so he's, and that's where we are as we begin here in this chapter. Whoops, I've got a new phone and it's doing weird things. Hold on. Paul tells them that he hears that there's sexual immorality among them. And he gives a, a, you know, a terrible example. And he says, you've become arrogant. You should be mourning about this. You should have removed this person from your midst. So again, he's anyone who thinks that the Bible teaches we should not judge our own, it doesn't, it's just misreading the Bible. That's taking one verse out of context and not understanding the totality Um, The Bible is clear not to judge others out in the world the way we judge ourselves um, and to have uh, understanding, grace and mercy for those who are growing. But here he's very clear that you you have people amongst you who are doing very worldly, terrible, uh, fallen, sinful deeds. And this, this should be a terrible thing that you mourn over. And you should be kicking these people out of your assembly, out of your fellowship, um, because they're persisting in these ways. So that the body of Christ remains pure, undefiled, and the spirit is allowed to move freely amongst us and continue building us up, rather than having us be a, a body that is mixed with evil. And so the spirit is not able to move because we've given ourselves over to evil. Paul says, I'm not there with you, but I have already judged him. And who the one who's committed this particular deed as though I were present in the name of our Lord Jesus. When you are assembled and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So this is a really powerful statement. We see here the power and authority of a mature son of God, one who God has appointed as an apostle for these people um, to represent him uh, for the people and for them to God in order to um, keep order in the kingdom, in the people, in the family of God there. And he has judged in the name of the Lord, this one who has done evil And basically pulled off restraint for the evil one to have his way with this one. And he says it's for the benefit of that one. That that he'll be, the way I read it, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Is He's basically saying so that he will die and that he will come to the Lord and he will be removed from the body of Christ in this world so that he is no longer... um, you know, causing mixture within our body, this body of Christ. Perhaps it's not death, but just, you know, he's out of our group and and the, the enemy's going to have his way with him and he, he will no longer be part of this body. Um, and when he dies, he can go to the Lord. It's also perhaps he's saying that 
that he will maybe come to the Lord once the enemy has full jurisdiction in his life. But basically, we're removing the the grace of the Lord, the the protection of the Lord in his life for now, because he is willfully bringing about the mixture of Satan into our body of Christ, into our fellowship in the Lord. And then he speaks to those who are, you know, allowing this and, and the way their, their hearts are for the fellowship in general. He says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So let's break this down a little bit. What is boasting? It, it's Boasting comes from pride. It comes from setting ourselves up as important rather than living in humility and meekness before the Lord, knowing he is great and you are his. Boasting is saying, I am important and I should be listened to. I should be, you should be aware of me and the powerful ways God is moving through me or my important ideas for God etc. Um, he's saying, this is terrible the way you're living, the, the way you're going about life thinking in this way, your heart. And he describes this kind of heart, this kind of thinking, this kind of way of life as leaven that needs to be removed. If we look at what Passover represented, Passover represented the this, this sacrificial lamb, which Jesus, you know, that again, this was given to the Israelites in Egypt, that they have a sacrificial lamb on Passover and that the blood be over their doorpost in order to protect their family so that the firstborn son of their family would not die and that instead they would be taken out of Egypt, saved by God and made a people of God that he would bring out of slavery into being a people of God, into being free, into being sons. And so... They were to take uh, unleavened bread because the people had no... I mean, if you look back at the specific things talked about in the the Law of Moses, they had no time to leaven their bread. So they took unleavened dough and they were to, uh, to commemorate this by, for one week, eating unleavened dough. So not having the leaven. Jesus talked about the leaven representing the Pharisees and that their thinking, their religious ways puffed them up in pride of their own way of life instead of uh, understanding the way God intended for Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, for his blood to cover us, to take away our old life of slavery to the world, slavery to the enemy, and instead to receive a new life as a people of God and to leave. So Jesus is the one day of Passover. The unleavened bread is the process, the seven days out of the ways of the world into a new life as a person of God, as a people of God, united in his way of life through humility, through continually giving ourselves up to him so that as we walk into this new life, we've given over the ways of the old life. Paul's saying, you are still carrying around this leaven You've missed the purpose of what Jesus did for you. It's not just to to grant you a new life that you can then 
continue to mix with the old life, but you take the sacrifice of the blood and then you walk out the seven days into unleavened bread, a new way of life. Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So put your old ways behind and take on the new ways of God. Verse 9, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous swindlers or with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. So a couple things we learn in that sentence. Uh, one, he clearly written the Corinthians before and we don't have that letter. So that's another missing letter. Uh, but also he said, I told you don't associate with immoral people, but I'm not talking about don't talk to people that are out in the world. This is what I was just saying a few minutes ago. He said, I'm not including the people in the world because the people of the world are they are sinful. Of course they are. They have not yet known Christ. They have not come into this new and living way. So it, we, it's not fair to expect them to live according to the ways of God when they do not know. They haven't been introduced to the ways of God. Verse 11, but actually I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler, or a drunkard, or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. I love it when I start talking about something, and then that's actually where the scripture goes. Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> cool thing, cool. The, the Lord is at work. So, again, he's saying... We have to live according to this new life that God is putting us into. And so the leadership should be uh, assuring that the people uh, within our fellowship live according to this life. The people outside of this life are not expected to live according to this way because they haven't been introduced to this way. How could they know? But once they come into this way, they should be expected to grow into this way and to leave the worldly ways behind. And he quotes the, uh, you know, the Old Testament. Again, the, the law of Moses was very strict on what to do with sinners and we can throw that out and say that doesn't apply to us anymore, but the New Testament does not throw it out. The New Testament quotes it over and over again and applies it to us with new understanding according to the Spirit. And so what that understanding is in this case is we must keep our body pure just as God told Moses in our body, meaning the body of Christ, our fellowship, and live according to his ways. And so then we'll move on to chapter 6. He begins to speak to them about uh, suing each other. Apparently, they were suing each other. So they were taking matters between brothers and sisters in Christ and taking them to uh, judges of the world, you know, of the Roman courts. And he's saying, are you not competent to judge yourself? Are you not made to be raised up as saints, as sons of God who will judge the living and the dead, the angels and people? I mean... Why are you submitting yourself to worldly judges? These judges don't know the Lord and you're allowing them to judge disputes between you? He said this should be to your shame. 
Is there, it is so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brethren, but brother goes to law with brother and that before unbelievers. He said, actually then it's already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? On the contrary, you yourselves wrong and defraud. You do this even to your brethren. So he's saying, if you're, you're allowing a matter between you and your brother to be decided by a worldly court. You have already lost. You have declared yourself of the world. And whatever the thing is that you're arguing about, it has mastery over you instead of the Lord having mastery over you. Verse 9, he says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor Sorry, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. So he's saying, if you want to inherit the kingdom of God, if you want to come in to the kingdom of God, he says, uh, you, he lists a bunch of sins and he said, you were of this, you know, you, you practiced these things before you came to the Lord, but now you've washed clean. You have been washed clean of the ways of the world, of the ways of the enemy. And now you are to step into his kingdom and put these worldly ways behind you. You cannot inherit the kingdom if you live according to these ways. Now you can be saved. Remember, he just drew the distinction. I think it was the last chapter uh, where he said uh, someone who's claimed to be saved but is committing horrible sins, um, I release him to the enemy so that he can be saved in death. Um, so he, you can be saved, but he says, I, I'm, my work is about building up the kingdom of God in this life, in this world right now. And you cannot live according to the ways of this world and come into the kingdom of God. Your, your mixture is, is overpowering you and you simply cannot receive what God is doing right now in this world amongst us if you are living according to the ways of Satan, according to the ways of this world. And so you must die to those things. It's okay that you had those things in your past, but you must die to them and be reborn into this new life according to God's ways, according to the kingdom. The proper order is that you you be washed, you be sanctified, you be justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of God. And then you receive all these things. Verse 12, Paul gives a, a, a powerful philosophical point to live by. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. He says, I, you know, I, I'm an heir of God, an heir of Christ. And so I, I, everything is mine. I can do everything, but not everything is good for me. And so I will, and, and if I allow myself to do certain things, I bec- they become master over me. And so I will not do those things out of the wisdom of the Lord. Just as Jesus was uh, master over everything, and yet he did not give himself over to everything, but he surrendered his life in every way to the Father. And this is the way Paul walked in, and this is the way he encourages all of us to walk in. There was a saying at that time, food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food. 
And it, it, what it meant was just go ahead and gorge yourself and be about, um, uh, revelry, you know, probably drunkenness went, went along with that, just feasting, just, they, these are rich people, right? And so they, they basically said, Hey, we're blessed in the Lord. We have the Lord. We have this eternal life. God's moving and signs and wonders all over the place. And we have all this food. And so we'll just enjoy our flesh to the utmost, basically. And, and Paul says, but God will do away with both of those things, your food and your stomach. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now, God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up with his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. So he says, God raised up Jesus, and he wants to raise you up. And so you are, you are supposed to be setting yourself apart as holy unto the Lord, that he will transform you. You have made yourself or, or allowed yourself to be made a part of the body of Christ. So you're the temple of the Lord. And if so, how can you join it to uh, ungodly things? And so they would have like temple prostitutes and stuff. They would, so sexual immorality was, uh, you know, if you're going to have sex outside of marriage, that this was the very common way that it would be done. And he said, you, you, having God in you, are joining yourself to the evil one through your body. How dare you do such a thing? God has established a way for us to live. And he has set apart marriage as being between a man and a woman that they be joined together uh, as one new creation. And there is, that is a sanctified act. And to, to do that in any other way is to join yourself, to join more than yourself, but to join the holy God with the enemy through another person. That is evil and do not do it. Or do you not know that one who joins himself to uh, uh, my... My kids have just entered the room. To one of this manner is one body with her. For he says, the two shall become one flesh. <laughs> Again, I, I don't read ahead when I do these things. I just talk and, and speak and then read more. And so that's exactly where Paul was going. He, he mentions Genesis, the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man's sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So realize it's not just a calling that you have. It's supposed to be a living way. He says, Jesus has bought you with his life. Therefore, glorify God in your body and all that you do. And that's it for today. God bless you.